Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y for 67369. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wosni Lambre. <laughs> Joined as always by my comrade, man, my brother, my partner for real, like the Wayans, Nando Vila out there on the west side of Los Angeles. Nando, what's up with you, brother? Doing well, doing well. How you doing? I'm good. Um... As always, we got Rob Lopez on the ones and threes, keeping the trains running on time. On today's show, we figured since it's the holidays, we wanted to get sentimental and and sort of get into how and why it is we got into doing what we do, right? As far as our own political awakenings, uh, how we became the people who became these dirty, rotten, scoundrel hippies. That bring you this show every single week. Um, Nando has a really fucking cool story. Um, you know, whatever. I can get into mine. I just think it would be dope yeah. to share with you guys. And I would love for you guys to hit us up and talk about yeah. your own influences and how you got into it. Because I know, you know, rest yeah. in peace, my brother Michael Brooks, when he passed away, so many messages I got were from people who were like, look, man, I fucked with you off the NBA shit. You know, I was like, this guy's entertaining in NBA. I'll listen to his fucking politics show. <laughs> With Mike and Mike completely radicalized these folks, you know, um, yeah. just, it's just amazing, um, that it was really touching to get those messages from people. Cause that's what we were trying to do. 
you know, um, and that's what we continue to try to do is just to wake people up to the things that, you know, that we all care about, right? And so we'll get into that towards the end of the show. But first, oh, Nando, yesterday, man, we're taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. Yesterday was Tuesday afternoon. Your president, Donald J. Trump, <laughs> got in a press conference and it's so crazy. It's, you know what it reminded me of, um, Nando? The Republican primary in 2016. Yeah. It was Trump. That old magic. That old Trump magic. (laughs) It was Trump giving you real talk that goes anti every single thing his party stands for. Like, like he was just cutting it down. Like when he would talk about, uh, how'd your brother keep us safe if 9-11 happened when it happened? Yeah. Iraq sucked. (laughs) We're still in Afghanistan. Blah, blah, blah. Like. Bush lied and people died. Yeah. It he was, said that in a he debate said to, that. to Jeb Bush. He said that to Jeb Bush's face, right? Yeah, like, because yeah. that's a little party. Like, my brother kept us safe after 9 11. It's like this weird thing. It's like, I, it, whatever. It's this weird thing. Yeah, we're not counting 9 11. Right. It's like, I kept, that, it's like yeah. you telling a chick, I kept you safe after I raped you. It's like, well, what? Yeah. <laughs> right, I, didn't, I didn't cheat on you after that first time. <laughs> right. It's like, what are you talking about? Anyway, he goes up there, Nando, and he's like, this bill stinks, you know, like they filled it up with all kinds of pork for all kinds of interests that have nothing to do with COVID. And I hate it. And if we were really doing something right, we would <laughs> be giving the people $2,000. $600 isn't enough. That's a pittance. We need to give the people two Gs. <laughs> and online Twitter blew up. It, it just erupted. Even my normie group chats were like, yo, wow, the president just got up there and gave us some real talk that's freaking crazy nando yeah i mean it's it's just like you know i think what happened and it it happened to me a little bit is that i i forgot trump was the president like i just forgot that he was the president just because he's been like in this insane yeah mia just like focused on like overturning the legis the state legislatures electors in the state of Pennsylvania. you know like insanely down this rabbit hole of trying to overturn the election and like no one's paying attention to him outside of like OANN and like the most insane MAGA people uh so I just kind of forgot that he was the president and as this whole drama was going on between the negotiations for the stimulus bill which we've been covering pretty regularly on the show we forgot one small little detail which is that the president right the president has to sign the bill (laughs) we just forgot about that because he's off doing whatever the fuck he's doing and he just came out and reminded me he's like you guys, you guys, you haven't gotten, rid of, thing, yeah. haven't gotten me rid of me yet. Haven't gotten rid of me yet. Still, still got to oh. sign this bitch. And oh. I don't want to sign it. You know, oh after like, you know, months of negotiations and, and all that stuff. And like, listen, let's be clear. The bill that was agreed upon and the bill that passed the House, which was going to pass the Senate and was going to go to Trump's desk is dog shit. Like yeah. it's dog shit. It's it fact. is. You know, I guess I suppose you could eat like if you're starving to death, you could eat some dog shit and it might help you survive like a little bit longer, right. you know, than right. than than you would if you if you were just dying uh, of thirst and, and hunger in the middle of the desert. But it's dog shit like it is the bare minimum to keep this country uh, afloat before the vaccine really kind of gets distributed widely and we kind of get past this shit. Um, it's another just grotesque, grotesque 
handout <laughs> to the wealthy. Like just, you know, pittance for for everyone. It's $600, which is, you know, we were laughing at the $1,200 and how little that felt uh, in, in back in the summer. And now it it's, they're cutting half. that in half. Cutting that in half. As the things are worse insurance. than they were. Things are not oh, yeah. better than they were. Things no. are worse. People have been, you know, people have been suffering through this pandemic. I mean, 50 million Americans are experiencing hunger. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And uh, so, and then the unemployment insurance, which was the thing in the first bill that really kept a lot of people afloat, um, the expanded $600 a week in unemployment insurance, that was also cut in half to $300. And, you know, they had to do something because that unemployment insurance, just in general, unemployment insurance was is expiring at the end of the year it's expiring in three days or something like that and mm -hmm. you know they have to do the, the reason why it passed now and not earlier is because they had to attach it to what they call an omnibus spending bill which is basically the bill which funds the government for the next year right so they use that excuse to attach the coronavirus uh, relief package to that because they have to pass that bill in some way shape or form which is why it came down to the wire and why this all this shit got added. Like, I mean, there was a provision in there that gave you a tax break if you had a fucking racehorse. Of course, yeah. Mitch McConnell is a senator from Kentucky, Kentucky. where they have all the racehorses. And it's a, you get a tax break if you have a fucking racehorse. Like, it's just, there's so many grotesque Ooh. things about this. And that's like, that's like just like a tiny little piece of it. Right. I mean, there's $500 million in aid to Israel. Just because. <laughs> just because. Just because. You know, like, as part of the coronavirus relief package. Yeah, what? You know, so. And, and then, again, though, in his press conference, Trump did this surreal thing where he's literally reading it off. And yeah. it is something that, that jolts you when you hear the numbers, when you hear how expensive some of this stuff is. What got it to 900 million was not, like, not what pouring 900 billion, excuse me. Into you guys, our citizenry, the people yeah. who need this, the people who are suffering. We're, you know, it got to 900 billion just because we're just handing shit out to our friends. It's. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, so the bill was 5,000 pages long. I mean, AOC was tweeting about this yesterday. She, like, there was a picture of the bill. It's like, I mean, it's, it's like the size of, I don't know, five dictionaries stacked on top of each other. And so, like, no one had a chance to read it. Uh, before they were forced to vote on it. And like the New York Times kind of dug into it. And this is their <laughs> this is their opening two paragraphs, okay? Just in their analysis of the bill. This is the New York Times. This is not some far left thing. This is like unbelievably mainstream. She It, it writes, <laughs> tucked away in the 5,593 page spending bill that Congress rushed through on Monday night as a is a provision that some ex tax experts call a $200 billion giveaway to the rich. It involves the tens of thousands of businesses that received loans from the federal government this spring with the promise that the loans would be forgiven tax-free if they agreed to keep employees on the payroll through the coronavirus pandemic. But basically it 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 it's it's this like PPP provision of which they say 1% of the businesses that got PPP got a quarter of the PPP meaning like it's the most powerful businesses that were able to like maneuver the system mm -hmm. kind of just got this giant giant giveaway to them you know and so that's just it's just it just shows just how shit works in washington it's like the rich have to be made whole and then whatever crumbs are left over go to you and i and um this feels like a particularly uh grotesque version of it but <laughs> trump has just thrown all that 
into disarray because by threatening to veto it, he's opening the door. Like he basically handed the Democrats a giant gift. Yes. Like a giant <laughs> gift. If the Democrats play this right, this is like an enormous gift, right? Because the only reason why McConnell passed anything at all was to try to save the careers of Kenny Law, uh, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue in Georgia. He knew that he needed to pass something so that they could survive this uh, this January 5th election and he can keep control of the Senate. But he, but he wanted to keep it as low as possible, as little as little as possible, just the bare minimum. Now, with Trump threatening a veto, if the Democrats were to pass a new bill in the House that satisfied the $2,000 check and put it on McConnell's door, uh, desk, knowing that Trump has already supported it publicly and that John Ossoff, the, the candidate in Georgia, has supported the $2,000 publicly, he's putting them in a position in which McConnell has to either block it and he has to get Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue on record saying they oppose the $2,000 checks or he's got to pass it. Like he's, he's in an impossible position. That's if, this is a big if, the Democrats... <laughs> play this right <laughs> right and so i want to talk about a couple of things nando uh first immediately of course afterwards chuck schumer who has recanted since has changed yeah. his tune about it was like what's trump doing well why don't we just pass the thing we just negotiated and then we'll come back to the 2000 yeah yeah yeah. idiot no idiot what are you talking why would you say that okay yeah. cool then, of course, I see Amy Klobuchar on your liberal and MSNBC uh, yeah. with Rachel Maddow talking about, I mean, he's just throwing a temper tantrum. We negotiated this thing and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And, mm. you know, mm. I, and, you know we, we talked about it in our little Woke Bros chat. And I'm like, Nando, like, what, what are we doing? What, what's happening? Why are these idiot uh, centrist Dems doing this? And Nando, could you explain to the people why it is these idiot Dems wouldn't do the Pelosi thing, which is just like, fuck, the, I didn't fucking negotiate that damn deal. I, I'm freaking, I'm for the 2000 immediately. And why those idiots who were so slow to be, to understand what was actually happening to them. Yeah, because it was interesting. You would think like they're all on the same team and they would all be unified in their messaging. Pelosi came out immediately, like was, was like, yeah, $2,000, let's do it. Um, whereas the Senate Democrats were not. And that's because there's a big difference between the Senate and the House. We kind of vaguely think of it as the same shit, you know, right. they're just it's kind of not. out there in Washington, and, you know, but the Senate is very different from the House. The, the Senate is a very strange institution. It's a and club. In the Senate, it's a club. They, they feel like they're part of a club. Like they feel more in common with each other than they do with members of their own party that are in the house. Yep. You know, that's why you see things like Dianne Feinstein hugging Lindsey Graham at the Judiciary they Committee. They're like friends. Other. That's why they all like talk about like John McCain as if he were a saint in heaven. <laughs> he was and, Saint you know, Francis they, of Assisi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they see those house people as like rabble rousers. <laughs> You know, even though the house is more dem more reflective of of uh, of the people the of the people, you know, by its very composition, the Senate is just this like they all hang out like in the Senate cloakroom and like here's smoking where cigars and drinking whiskey. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly, exactly. They see themselves as part of the club, and they were like, no, 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 this is the deal we negotiated. Yeah. This is the deal. The club Me came up with Senate. a deal. Me and yeah. my homies, 
We ironed yeah. this out together. We did yeah. Kumbaya together and got a deal. What's wrong with you people? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, and Joe Biden, remember, Joe Biden Senate was a senator f- f- since the 1970s, since the early 1970s. He was a senator since he's like his early 30s. He's been a senator his whole life, pretty much. Um, so he very much believes in all that stuff, which is why Joe Biden intervened to get this uh, bill accepted by the Senate Democrats, which is interesting. Also, the other interesting wrinkle about this whole deal is that Kamala Harris, who also is still technically in the Senate, Hmm. Um, Kamala Harris wrote a bill with Bernie Sanders and Ed Markey a few months ago before she was vice president, um, or vice presidential nominee or no, before she was vice, I don't remember if it was before she was vice president or vice presidential nominee, um, calling for $2,000 checks a month to everyone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She's now the vice president elect and is still in the Senate. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have said nothing about the coronavirus relief package. Nothing. Like some vague things here and there. Like, yes, we need something. But they haven't like weighed in heavily on any of this shit. Which is just, again, it just shows just how reluctant Democratic leadership is to do the bold things that are necessary to save this country quite frankly you know Um, it's 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 sad but you're right and also nando what i wanted to bring to your attention because driving driving home just now um my lady asked me she said why would anybody be against two thousand dollar checks for people during this fucking why would why would they be against the pandemic and i'm like well my only guess honestly is they don't want people to think that this is routine that this oh, is yeah, normal. Yeah. They don't want to be held to this standard ever. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you do that. It, then people say, hold on. The government can, like, do Just shit for money? me. Just give yeah, me money? Yeah, like, they don't <laughs> want people. They, they have conditioned people to think that you're a piece of shit to take a government handout. That you're lazy. Yeah. That you're a bum. That you don't like to work. That you're shiftless. That only those people, ill. Those people do welfare, ill. And you ask yourself, well... Obviously, I can understand why the Republicans are doing it, but why the Democrats? Again, they're beholden to the exact same corporate interests who are like, look, if those people start wanting to get their share of the pie, how are we going to take everything? How are we going to keep everything for ourselves? It's obvious why Dems aren't behind it. It's just obvious. It's you're exactly right that it's a disciplinary function. It's. They need to keep people conditioned. There's a they need people they need people that are willing to go break their backs at an Amazon fulfillment center. You know, they need yeah. people to like demean themselves and you know drive for I don't know Lyft and Postmates and all these things. You know, like they need people that are that are willing to do these kind of bullshit awful jobs um, because because that's how the system runs. Um, if they sort of raise people's expectations then the whole thing kind of changes dramatically and they don't want that, you know? Right. Um, so if they start to realize that the government can actually provide relief for people and that people can exercise their democratic rights to redistribute wealth to themselves rather than just redistributing it upwards to the to the rich, um, that's that's a that's a very powerful example that they don't want that they don't want to give to people. I mean, Trump and the Republicans did better than expected in the election. Why? Because they put money in people's pockets. Like at the end of the day, if this bill were to pass, the $600 relief pa- package, most people will just remember that Trump gave me 1200 bucks and Biden gave me 600 bucks. 
Yeah, and that's it. Like Trump did, and the Republicans did better than expected because they provided people with welfare in some degree in the CARES package. I mean, we it it, it was gross and awful the way that that bill was structured. It was trillions of dollars to the rich, but it did give people put money in people's pockets. And as much as like $30,000 for some people because of the unemployment uh, insurance. So yeah, I mean, that's why he did better than expected. It's why he did better with like immigrant communities everywhere in America. It's why he did better with Latinos in South Texas. I mean, it was all, it was all that. I mean, at the end of the day, money talks and all the, all the cultural issues we fight about every single day uh, matter way less than that. And, um, and 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 not and to the extent that they do matter, they matter in the absence of that, right? Like when yeah. there is when that's not on the table in any significant. Yeah. We got to fight about something else. Yeah, exactly. That's what we'll end up what we'll end up doing. And so you know that's again when at the top of the show, Nando talks about a horse owner subsidy. That's <laughs> literally money that belonged to the government that they just said now belongs to those horse owners. That's what's happening. It's a welfare check, period. That's what it is. It's money that they would have otherwise had to give to the government, put in the tax coffers that the government said, nah, I'm going to give it back to you. you. That's what happened. That's what happened. Nobody would sit around and call those people lazy, you know, uh, you, you know, shiftless and all of this kind of stuff. It never happens. These people take bit the, the wealthiest people take government giveaways. They take money from the government all the time. All the time. All the time. It's like um, and again, amounts of money that would that would shock most people. That would shock people. And again, the only person that was framing it that way was your friend Bernie Sanders. And and that's not by accident. The Dems are not your friends, guys. They are not your friends. There's a reason why one thing gets framed as, you know, welfare and what's the other word they like to use? Entitlements. (laughs) Um, One thing gets framed that way and the other gets nice words like, oh, it's a subsidy. It's a tax break. It's a, no, it's welfare, you motherfucker. And so, um, <laughs> man, we're, t- we're taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. This thing is still being negotiated again. Donald Dude. Trump, and we don't, we can't really know what his motivations are. I've heard like it's like when I come back in twenty twenty four, the people are gonna love me, you know. So, <laughs> like right as we started taping, Trump vetoed the something called the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, which is the bill that funds the military. <laughs> so Congress had gone home for. Wow. Christmas, uh, Christmas vacation. Now they're being forced to come back because Trump vetoed the military spending bill bill mm. for next year. And you know they're gonna they have to come back and and override the veto. <laughs> they have to do that. <laughs> they have, they're gonna do that. That's you know, number like, one. They That's will. Your they will. One job. <laughs> oh yeah, they will leave their half-eaten pancakes on Christmas morning uh, to fly back to Washington to override the veto on the military spending bill. But the fact is, they have to come back. So this gives the Democrats an opportunity to pass a new bill with the $2,000 check and put it on McConnell's desk and see what he does with it. Um, I mean, it just seems such an obvious political move. Don't bet on the Dems to do it. Um, (laughs) There's been some kind of, there's definitely momentum behind it. You see Cory Booker has come out in favor of it. John Ossoff Mm. has come in favor of it. Obviously Mm. Bernie Sanders, you know, has come out in favor of it. There is some momentum to it. 
but it all the way the House and the Senate are structured, it all matter. The, the leadership is what really matters. And so we'll see what Pelosi does. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it it was crazy. Nobody expected it. You know, that, this Trump is the, Trump, at the man. 11th hour. Yeah, <laughs> the December surprise. That, that yeah. dude is he is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, And so. Man, guys, uh, just keep your eye on that during the holiday, I guess. I don't even know what else to say. Um, Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know I've been through it. I've had problems at work, problems in relationships, uh, you know, even problems as a parent. Sometimes you don't know where to turn to or who to talk to, particularly when you you don't want to talk to someone who knows you, who might have a bias or might hold what you're going to say against you. You want to talk to someone who's experienced and licensed and at the same time distant and removed from you. BetterHelp is here to help. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. I know many of our listeners are listening to us from other countries, whether it's Canada, Australia, somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Asia, or somewhere in Africa. Look, you guys can access this as well. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Better help is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who need it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website. Read the testimonials. They're posted daily. For instance, this one from user NU after counseling with Denise Wall Marlin for two years on issues concerning depression, stress, anxiety, and self-esteem. Quote, I have found Denise to be an excellent counselor. She has broad experience in all techniques to get rid of anxiety and ruminating thoughts and always puts things in perspective for me. I recommend her 100%. Hell, I hear that one. I want to sign up with Denise because I know ruminating thoughts and anxiety is something I deal with all the time. So here's what you can do. I'll do it too. Visit betterhelp.com slash B-O-M. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. It's a special offer going right now for our listeners here on Bomb. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash B-O-M. That's betterhelp.com slash B-O-M. Moving on, and, you know, I, I, I love to give credit where credit's due, and, and Nando is the one that brought this to my attention as an idea. Um, we did want to talk about just sort of our own political journeys and awakenings and how did we find ourselves becoming you know, these dirty, centrist cats. I mean, excuse me, dirty... What? Excuse me, don't insult me like that. (laughs) (laughs) I may be dirty, but I ain't ain't no centrist. I ain't no centrist. And so, you know, and I've told the story a couple of times, but I think it bears repeating, right? Um, I definitely didn't start following politics 
in any like even tangential way until Barack Obama, right? Mm. Like his candidacy, his campaign definitely lit my imagination on fire. Just the idea that this black dude could seemingly come out of nowhere. And not that he can't, because, you know, we learned that he didn't come out of nowhere. Like, we learned that he curried favor amongst the elite class for years, like, to get his little donor base right. He made the right connections with his Harvard people and all of that. He knew what he was doing. Like, he was fucking genius at that. Let's not get that twisted. But it seemed like he came out of nowhere. Like, he wasn't Colin Powell, who we all had heard of. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a political figure. Um... And for him to, you know, to take the presidency as an underdog, specifically against Hillary Clinton and that machine within the party, it was like, wow. Like, and the campaign was about something. It was about change and hope and, you know, all this other shit. And it was like, wow, this is, politics can be powerful. And I sort of became addicted after that, right? Um, And not addicted. I shouldn't say that. I just was like, wow, I'm really following this. And then, so I want to fast forward. I got this job at a bank. And I want to say 2011, um, yeah, 2011, and you know, I had this desk job where I'm just literally fucking at a desk all day, every day, reading a computer. And um, this is also around the same time that Bill Simmons dropped Grantland. And mm. anybody who knows this remembers Grantland. What they were known for were these fucking long ass uh, articles. Yeah, Like, they were just known for long-form shit, which I liked at my job because it passed the time. Like, I would be on Grantland every single day hoping they had some shit that I could pass the time with. And one of the people who I became a huge fan of was Charlie Pierce. Yeah. Because he's just an incredible writer. Like, not even his takes, just like... He's just poetic. Like, this dude is a poet, right? And, And I became a fan of his... And then I realized that he had this other job that he's been had at Esquire as basically their political correspondent. So he was double dipping. He was doing sports with Grantland and politics with Esquire. And so I started reading this political shit. And, you know, he's a Massachusetts guy. He's a fucking um, he's a Wisconsin guy because he went to uh, Marquette. And a lot of people don't know Wisconsin is like historically known for a lot of progressivism. Like, like the La Follette dude, like he start he started a whole bunch of shit. Like it used to be this like progressive hotbed. It's not anymore. Like it's Scott <laughs> Scott Walker and the Cokes and all of that. But like Wisconsin is known for a lot of that shit, especially within academia. And like Charles Pierce definitely put me on to mad people, right? Like I remember the first time I read Ed Kilgore, or the first time yeah. I read um David Dayan, or the first time like he would always link to all of these people that were also blogging about politics. And so, you know, I just started getting my awareness up about certain things more and more and more and more and more. And then Charles Pierce wrote a blog post about this little show called Up With Chris Hayes. Nando, mm. you're going to love this shit. So on Saturday start, morning. On Saturday morning. And he, Charles Pierce is like, you know what I fucking love this show? It's not like the the goddamn Sunday shows where they have these DC hacks all the time. Chris Hayes got community activists up there. It's not academic. He got like people who work in the actual communities, union leaders. Like he's, this shit is revolutionary on MSNBC. It's this little show on Saturday mornings. You should watch it. So I then become a fan of up with Chris Hayes and I'm watching Hayes all the time. And one day I see a guy named Sam Cedar on there. And Sam Cedar, of course, on 
MSNBC's airwaves is a, like a flamethrower. Radical, like right? A radical, He's a psychopath, yeah. right? And um, I'm like, shit, I gotta start fucking with Sam Cedar, and I start, <laughs> I start watching the Majority Report, and I start, you know, paying attention to what Sam Cedar is doing on them, and then. He has, I start watching Sam Cedar and he has like his co-host and he has the producer or whatever, but his co-host, a guy named Michael Brooks, he doesn't yeah. really talk much. Like he adds in his little jokes. He does his little yeah. things, but it's Sam's show, right? Like it's Yeah, he's it's like Paul Schaefer for Letterman. Right, exactly. <laughs> but every Monday, Sam would let Michael do his own show. That was basically Sam's days off. And that was called yeah. Michael Mondays. And so... I'm not going to lie, Nando. At first, I'm like, I'm not going to watch Sam's sidekick run the show. I'm not watching yeah. this shit. And yeah. I ignored Michael Mondays. Then finally, I watched the Michael Monday. And I was like, yo, this motherfucker's incredible. He's a fucking, <laughs> he's a riot. He's great. And I started, and I was always start watching Michael Mondays with Michael Brooks. And one day, as I tell the story all the time, he made his Barack Obama as a Nation of Islam uh, radical he did it that little bit, which I thought was genius. I reached out to him. He was like, yo, what's up? I actually live in Brooklyn, blah, 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 blah. We got lunch and all of that. And we became friends and our friendship just did nothing but grow from there. Which is to say that like all of, and as, as all of these things are happening, I'm becoming less and less, oh, I just fuck with the Dems like my parents and my whole family does. Um, then and my Chris family Hayes members, does. right? And then Charlie Pierce does, yeah. right? 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 Exactly. Yeah. Progressively yeah. becoming like, man. I don't, and you know what I will say about um, um, Charles, um, Charles, Ch Charles Pierce. Um, from the beginning, he was very skeptical of Barry's pie in the sky, no red America, blue America. He's like. Yeah. That shit don't make no damn sense. That's not how this works. <laughs> the Republicans going to clean his clock. All of that shit. Whatever. Anyway, but yeah, progressively, I'm becoming more and more radicalized. Because I'm just like, as I, as I, you know, as I start consuming the stuff that isn't what you get on New York Times, it starts resonating with me more and more and more and more to now where I get to the point where I'm at now, right? Like, where I'm just... It, 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 where I'm just when when my normie friends are talking, I feel like they're watching a different politics than me. Yeah. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? So that's that's basically how I got here. And of course, as y'all know, I met Nando through Mike, right? And and yeah. now me and Nando have become friends, and and we're growing our relationship in a beautiful way. And I just you know I just wanted to share that with y'all. Like I'm so happy people listen to what we do and get something out of it. Um, because that's what yeah. we're trying to do. We're trying to change some minds. One person yeah. at a time. We're trying to we're trying to indoctrinate some people. One person at a time, Nando. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's uh, I mean that's that's definitely part of our mission, right? And we we try to be accessible. We try to be fun. We don't try to be preachy in any way, and we don't try to be like judgmental. You know, if you have like the bad the bad takes or whatever. Um, no, we try to be welcoming. We're welcoming people on this show. Um, and, and, you know, if you're kind of left curious, but think it's, um, a little bit scary to understand the ins and outs, like, you know, we're here to help. Um, I've, I, my political trajectory, um, started a little early, earlier. Um, I, I've, I've called, like, I've been on the left quote unquote, 
basically, since my early years in college, um, I was already kind of uh, by by like two thousand six, two thousand seven. I was pretty um, disillusioned with the Democratic Party, especially the wake of the Kerry campaign. You know, I voted mm-hmm. for Kerry, and 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 um, and was kind of very aware of what was going on. But I was, I was just, you know, I was like, how they, how could they let Bush? just such an obvious criminal and such an obvious dumbass at the same time, uh, beat them. Like, what do you, what, like, what do you, you know? And I remember like when I was in high school, I was always kind of very interested in world affairs. My, you know, my parents are from Spain and I would, I would travel to Europe a lot when I was a kid, uh, to visit family and things like that. And so I always had kind of like this worldly air and that i kind of cultivated because i was a because i was a snot-nosed fucking dumbass when i was a young kid and but i but it is true that i was kind of like i i was kind of interested in what was going on in in the world outside of the united states and things like that and then when the iraq war happened i was a senior senior in high school i graduated high school in 2004 so 2003 i was junior senior year in high school i remember that summer of 2003 which if people don't remember people too young to remember that time, it was fucking crazy. Like it was mm. crazy. The two years after nine 11 were insane in America. I mean, it was like fully fascist. I mean, in, in terms of the media, just falling in lockstep with whatever the government said. Yeah. Um, they call, they call people traitors for not being behind the Iraq, like traitors. Yeah. Like you're, Oh yeah. You're, yeah. you're plotting against your country for not Phil backing. Donahue. The Phil Donahue war. was a host on MSNBC uh, at the time. Phil Donahue on, on MSNBC, he was a host. And he started asking questions about the Iraq war. And, you know, this none of this makes a lot of sense. And, like, he wasn't, like, a, a flamethrower or anything. <laughs> no. He was fired. And he's, he's never Phil come Donahue, back. Phil Donahue, yeah. He was fired from MSNBC and never came back. Um, the Dixie Chicks, do you remember that whole that of whole controversy? Of course. Um, like, it was just crazy, a crazy, crazy time where the New York, everyone from... Fox News, obviously, to the New York Times was marching in lockstep with the Bush administration on their march to Iraq. And I just I was just a kid in high school and I kind of got more or less wrapped into it. Not like I wasn't like some fire breathing mm. um, war rah-rah guy, but I was like, yeah, you know, this is like the right. This is more or less like, yeah, this is, we should do that. Like, so just so, so the listeners can know, I was, I too was in high school in 03. 03, I would have been probably a junior, I guess, because 01, no, the summer of 03 would have been right before my junior year. Yeah. So I'm, like, in I'm between, a great older than you. Yeah. In between yeah. sophomore and junior year. And I will say, especially having been in New York, lived in New York when 9 11 happened, right. and had the shit scared out of you. Um, right. The idea that we would try to bust some skulls behind it, it, it yeah, that wasn't like, even a like, question. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even, like, the, no, nobody had, was questioning that. Someone I remember my crazy Uncle Gene, who was always a, you know, a politics dork, and, and, and I'd be like, I mean, he'd be like, he'd be like, because uh, my nickname, um, my family members called me Wool. <laughs> and he's like, Wool, you think we should go to Afghanistan? 
I'm like, we got to get Bin Laden, right? <laughs> and he goes to me. And for years afterwards, he would make fun of me and say, we got to get Bin Laden, right? <laughs> he, was, he, he would make fun of me for, I think, five years afterwards. Like, right. this fucking idiot drinking the Kool-Aid. Anyway, yeah. continue, Nando. Yeah. I mean, Bar- Bar- remember, it's always worth remembering, Barbara Lee, the only congressperson to vote against the afghanistan war the only person that's insane to vote against it. could it's you crazy. think like one, three days after 9-11 could you think about one thing that we could get not get more people to vote against these they like what could actually be on the no. ballot i just saw someone that know. they like just ended slavery in utah you know what i'm saying like which shows you that there were people who were like nah i don't think so that would have like yeah. not unanimously done it like right that's insane dude that's yeah. insane so so, yeah, I mean, so I was like more or less kind of going along with the whole thing just because like every like the media climate at the time was crazy. And the, and the political climate and everything, the social climate, everyone was like, yeah, I mean, look, they 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 took down the towers and now they got to pay. And, you know, even though Iraq had nothing to do with it, <laughs> literally nothing to do with it, like it's just completely, <laughs> you know, uh, just completely like even the types of thing. the types of Muslims who did 9-11, like they don't have anything. If anything, they'd be antagonists. They'd be antagonistic. Yeah. Like these people have totally. been beefing for years. Yeah. So uh, I remember I went to Spain that summer, summer of 2003, as I did basically every summer. And, you know, I was like 17 years old and it was like that kind of age where people started talking about politics a lot more. And in Spain, the Iraq war was very controversial because the Spanish prime minister was one of the few European heads of state to really go in lockstep with Bush on the war. It was Bush, wow. Blair and Aznar, who was the head of the, uh, the Spanish government at the time. And so it was very controversial in Spain. I mean, Spain was incredibly divided on it and young people were all against it. And so I remember going there and like all my Spanish friends were like, oh, you know, Bush, you fucking, you know, criminal and like the Iraq. And I was like, I was like, I had like a, uh, almost like a natural reaction to be like, shut up, shut up. America's great. (laughs) Yeah, what are you talking about? Like you guys are just jealous. And, um, and, uh, but then, you know, the more I stayed there that summer, you started seeing news reports coming from Iraq and the Spanish media the Spanish television, just like the television pretty much everywhere in the world outside of the United States, doesn't censor violence in the news. Uh, in the United States, you cannot show on a newscast in you know CBS Evening News dead bodies on the street. You can't even show casket. You couldn't even show at the time there was like a whole political thing. You couldn't right, even show you the show American bodies coming back. Yeah. You couldn't even show the caskets of the bodies coming back. So the war was just kind of like a a fake video game or something Mm -hmm. like you didn't see the violent effects of it which were like unbelievably grim uh if you if you cared to look and and you know we've seen subsequently uh, a lot of the images that have come out and things like that are 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 horrifying and i remember being just like watching a spanish newscast which is like a regular newscast it wasn't even like a breaking news it was just like the regular kind of newscast there's some reporter out in iraq covering the war and it's like you start to see like horrific violence. You start to see like, you know, a child's hand kind of severed on laying there in the middle of the street or, uh, you know, just dead bodies everywhere. And the violence of the war and the sort of difference in the media culture that I saw was so jarring that it kind of, it put the seed in my mind that something was deeply, deeply wrong with this whole mm. thing. 
And then when I got to college, um, I studied history, and I remember I had a professor who was just like a you know basically like liberal, not 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 particularly radical. Where did you go to but, college? That people want to know. Ba- Boston College. I went. I went BC. Boston College. Eagle. BC. Wow. Baby. Yeah. I went, you were went to college Boston. with Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Same okay. Class got, Matt you, Ryan. got you. Got you. Matty Ice yeah. days. Okay, Matty Ice, you. baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Jared Dudley, you know, NBA fans. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I had, you know, Boston college is not a, is not a, a pretty, it's not a radical school at all. It's a, it's a pretty conservative school. Actually, it's a Jesuit school. You know, they didn't, they didn't allow gay clubs, for example, in our, in, mm. when we were there. And, uh, so we had this professor who was just kind of a standard lib and we took a, he, he taught American foreign policy and I just learned a class. I just learned about American foreign policy. And I was just like, wait, we killed 3 million people in Vietnam. <laughs> like we always hear about the 57,000 Americans that died in the Vietnam War because there's a Vietnam uh, War Memorial. We killed 3 million people? What? <laughs> you know, like what? For what? No reason. The, the fucking Vietnam, like a country that has nothing to do with anything, it just communism. For no reason. Yeah, for no reason. I'm like, "What?" And um, you know, that's when I started kind of reading a lot more dissenting voices. And then obviously I started reading Noam Chomsky, which I recommend everyone, <laughs> everybody, everyone <laughs> to read uh, or watch, watch his, you know, watch him on YouTube or watch his documentary. There's a documentary that he, that was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. It might still be on Netflix, but it's definitely on YouTube called a Requiem for an American dream. Um, but hosted by Noam Chomsky, highly recommended, highly recommend manufacturing consent, um, which is a book and a documentary. Anyway, when you read Chomsky, you realize that like, oh my God, all of this, all of the stuff that we were indoctrinated with is just it's bullshit. all a lie. Bullshit. Like it's just straight up, straight up propaganda and bullshit. And so, yeah, that was when I started kind of becoming uh, more of like what I would call like a leftist, you know, we started getting interested in, in the history of socialism. And once you realize, once you've shed this sort of propaganda about capitalism, over, about how... Yeah. America, you can't have freedom everything. without capitalism. Like, exactly. it's like they tie everything that America is, this idea of freedom, individual freedom and democracy and all of that. We only have it but for the, the free motive. market. <laughs> yeah, to the profit motive. <laughs> yeah. We could Funny not how that works. Funny things. how that works. Yeah. Funny it's how that a, works. It's the most genius marketing plan that ever was devised. It was like oh, we cannot yeah. have those things without no. the profit motive. <laughs> no. And and you're you're right that it was a explicit marketing plan. I mean there's if you, everyone should look up Adam Curtis's documentaries. A lot of them are, are on YouTube. Uh, if not, seek them out on wherever you can. Adam Curtis, um, he's done a documentary called Hypernormalization, which kind of explains pretty much everything about the current moment. Uh, he did a documentary called Bitter Lake, which explains the U.S. relationship to Saudi Arabia and Afghanistan over the years, which is fucking fascinating. And then he did a documentary about a guy named Eddie Bernays, who was uh, Sigmund Freud's nephew or something like that. And he was the guy who basically created that propaganda plan that you're talking about <laughs> using psychoanalysis um, to basically sell capitalism to the American people. Um, it's a fascinating documentary. Anyway, um, yeah, that's when I started reading all about that stuff. And then when Obama came along, I was living in China. I, lived, I, went, I moved to China after, after I graduated college. And when Obama came along, I was like, wait a minute. Let's, this, is, this seems like... This is different. This feels like... This, this is, is not yeah, Carrie. 
This is not John Kerry. This is not fucking Hillary Clinton. Uh, <laughs> this is this is something else. I mean, you know, he's running on closing Guantanamo Bay, and, and if, you know, some of these horrific crimes that we, you know, he was he spoke very eloquently about all that stuff, and and then he got in there, and within point zero five seconds, and he when he started appointing all the bank executives to run his economic team, I was like, okay, all of them were right. All of those like left critics. Who I was like, kind of wary of, like, come on, it's so bad. Like, what are you? Like, they were all, all right, hundred percent <laughs> right. That, like, you know, the corporations, man, they control the government, man. It's, you know, like, and it's like, yeah. I mean, how can you deny yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. And and that's where and that's where we get to today, right? And and you know, Barry looms large on this podcast because, and I think. When we had that conversation of on our newest segment, maybe maybe Obama's kind of a douche. Um, on our newest segment, and when I think the most important thing you said, Nando, is that like no, like Barry is thoughtful. Barry is yeah. smart. Barry does like he's better than think these about, people. Like yeah. he isn't this this at the hip type of guy. Like he is a deep thinker. Like he should know better. Like Barry of all, like that's we would expect the most from him. Somebody as eloquent Was. as him. Barry grew up in Indonesia shortly after a U.S. sponsored genocide that killed one million people. He's written about this, right? You know, like in right. Dreams of My Father. You know, like they 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 lived in Indonesia shortly after this. Right. Um, like he he really should know better. He really should know better. I mean, there's a book called The Jakarta Method, which I read this year by Vincent Bevins, which talks about the Indonesian genocide, which the United States was actively involved in. One million people wiped off the face of the earth, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, while we're recommending books um, related to my own radicalism, too, I read... uh, What's his, I think his name is Timothy Weiner, or I forget his name, but he wrote this book called Legacy of Ashes, and um, it's about the history of the CIA, Ooh. and the book is based on the official records. You know, like 30 years after they fuck up a yeah, mission yeah, in Cambodia, stuff. Yeah, they yeah, declassify yeah. it, and so the book is just about the shit they let us know publicly, and that's basically what... His, what Legacy of Ashes is about. And what he it systematically shows you throughout the course of the book is that the CIA is trash, has been trash, and will always be trash. They have been yeah. terrible at their um sp- their uh stated job from the inception. From yeah. the start, they stunk up the joint. They get a lot of money and funding. And so with money, you can do anything, right? Like you can wield yeah. influence in third world countries and you can start coups and you can do that because you have money. But like just as tactics and like this idea, like, you know, when you watch Jason Bourne, that's how I know it's propaganda. That's why like I have trouble with conspiracy theorists now because I'm like, bro, I think it's the opposite. I think if the CIA were actually Jason Bourne, they wouldn't have to put it in a movie. Like that's yeah, just yeah. propagandizing us to think yeah. that these guys are these hyper competent superhumans. No. They are bumbling idiots. And if they yeah. didn't have the might of the American government, military, and money oh, yeah. behind them, they 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 would have been fired a long time ago, right? Like yeah. Kennedy after the Bay of Pigs, like the Bay of Pigs is that's CIA. That's, that's the a most half-baked plot. Thing that's like ever happened, yeah. Right. It's like a half-baked plot. 
It's like we got some money, we could pay some people to do it. Uh, yeah. we think is we just praying that it's gonna work. It 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 serves the need of a perceived agenda that we think the power wants. So they're like suckling at the power to like, no, we're gonna get it done for you, and they fail time yeah. after time after time. And then you and then when you really learn about why we went to Vietnam, when it's just like, what like. They think communism is going to spread in Asia and then from Asia is just going to jump over the seas and get them married. It's like, what? Containment? What? These are our geniuses. And so, you know, it's along the way you read all of these things and you learn all of these things like, wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And that's how we can get to the place that we are today, right? Like, you know. I don't see I don't I don't see politicians as like all these evil people or whatever, but they're self-interested. Um, yeah. And if and, and if we don't change the equation of, on what their self-interests are, which is they can take money from the money class, keep themselves elected um, yeah. and, and, and keep themselves getting elected, excuse me, by feeding people kente cloth meals. You know, nothing's going to change. You know what I'm saying? And and I think that's the that's the point of this podcast, man. I think we want to yeah. man, I think one day we should we should do an episode where we round up um some of the great works of leftist propaganda and oh, yeah. and, and try to share it with the people, man, cuz Absolutely. Cuz cuz this is definitely important. And and yeah. you know, not I remember I used to when my girl at dinner parties would like um you know, she would joke, not even jokingly, but like just to shock people and to make fun of me. She'd be like, my boyfriend's a communist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, first of all, please stop doing that. Um, yeah, but now I'm just like, well, actually, I'm socialist. Like communism is like some a little bit different, but whatever, you know. Um, and so, you know, this is how you get this way by just learning about stuff, staying clear eyed and, and wanting to stay in the fight. You know, that's our show, man. I want to say a happy holidays. To yeah, everybody, man. man, who supports Count the Dings, who listens to this show week after week. We're constantly getting feedback. I get so many people who say this is their favorite show that they listen to and that, like, yeah. they're, they're learning things all the time and they're being hip to stuff. And, man, that's just what we're trying to do. We're trying to share the information, give you guys a perspective that you're not getting out there from your main, you, you know, your mainstream sources. And so thank everybody who supports us. I hope you guys are safe and, and with your loved ones this holiday, man. Nando, you want yeah. to get in there? No, I mean, I just I, I'll echo what you said that I I get I get more feedback on sh- on this show than a lot of the other shows I've I've been involved with in my life. I've I've been I've been a host for many many years, and uh, this show in particular seems to have struck a nerve with a certain audience, and it seems like we're we're helping people, and that's like that's all that's always what I've wanted to do. Like I'm not interested in um the super advanced you know shit or or really the 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 bullshit kind of internal debates that happen all the time and in a lot of these kind of left media uh i'm just not that's not what i want to do i want to i want to get people uh who are curious who are interested who are you know just i don't know like just regular people kind of going through their day and i want to just give a little bit of uh, help them with a little bit of political education. And so I just want to say like everyone that reaches out, like I love, I, I reach out as much as you want. Like I, I, I cannot, I cannot, uh, enjoy it more. And I love doing the show and I love doing with you guys. And, you know, it's been, 
it's been a tough 2020. We lost, uh, we lost Mike, the guy who put us together. And, you know, it's almost like this show is just every week, like a small tribute to him, um, that we can do, um, to remember him by. And it's just, you know, it makes me, it makes me very happy. Same man. Um, and so we'll see you guys. No, we will not see you guys next week. Sorry. Uh, We'll do a Christmas show, but I, t- I think you know enough about me and Nando. Ain't no New Year's Eve show going down, y'all. <laughs> and so, anyway, happy holidays to all you guys. Again, reach out to us. Let us know about your political awakenings. We will see you guys in 2021, and hopefully you'll be $2,000 richer by then. Hell yeah. And, and so, for Nando Vila, um, I'm Big Waz, and for Rob Lopez, the producer, we're out of here. Peace. Out of here.